0: Welcome to The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. My name is Alan O'Mara, a former Cavan goalkeeper now working as a performance and well-being consultant. As host of this series featuring some of Ireland's most inspiring athletes, I am delighted to be joined by the reigning Footballer of the Year, Vicky Wall. Vicky speaks about how her life has changed since she became an All-Ireland champion and how adaptability Trust and vulnerability were at the heart of Mead's success. She also discusses the verbal abuse she has received over the years, her search for sport life balance, and how much she is looking forward to becoming a professional athlete later this year in the Australian Football League. This podcast is brought to you as part of bo 360 a GPA program that empowers intercounty players across four key areas: life skills, well-being dual career and transitions please go to bio 360galicplayerscom to learn more to hear such openness honesty and insight from an elite performer was so refreshing and i hope you enjoyed the player's voice with vicky wall as much as i did thanks for listening Vicky, first of all, just thanks so much for joining us on the Players' Voice podcast. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to having for for quite a while. And my first question for you is on the back of your success on the field last year, just how has life been as an All Ireland Senior Football Champion?
1: Yeah, uh, thanks, million for having me. Anyway, for, first of all, uh, looking forward to the chat. Um, yeah, it has. It's been it's been pretty mental, to be honest. Um, it's been pretty hectic. I think, based on you know. Winning in 2020 the Intermediate All-Ireland and I suppose obviously there was there was a bit of hype around that but, you know, things got shut down fairly quickly. You know, the whole country was into a into a lockdown and, you know, we were just kind of straight back into our own training that we didn't really get to, to stop and kind of acknowledge that achievement. And then in 2021, I suppose there was such hype about it, you know, even having people back in Crow Park and I suppose going into a game like that against a team that's trying to win five in a row um, obviously there's going to be big hype about it and I suppose when it when an underdog wins, um there is, you know, that that story about it. And I suppose that added element of coming from intermediate the year before, uh, things have probably uh, blown up a little bit. Um it's been strange, it's been hectic. Um but for for a team perspective it's it's been un- really unbelievable for for ladies football and football and me. I think it's been it's been huge as well. I think um, you know, just even seeing the support that we're getting at games this year in comparison to um to previous years and stuff is phenomenal and I suppose it's a kind of a catch-22 of, you know, we shouldn't have to do something phenomenal to get that support but it's just been the case and I suppose, we, look, we're, we're thankful for, for all the support that we do get.
0: Yeah, like, even in just like the snapshot or like the summary you've given there of the last two years, like, it's been quite like a, almost like a roller coaster in some ways but actually it just, you've just been spending more time on an upwards trajectory um, and then like, did it? Did the speed of your progress surprise yourselves in terms of going straight from that intermediate grade to senior grade, senior grade, and then not only competing, also like beating most of like the other teams in that division?
1: Um, like, I think it's easy to say no now because you know that you have that all Ireland in your belt, but but genuinely no because of how we got there. You know that kind of way. Like in twenty seventeen, we would have won the Leinster intermediate final, and then we lost an all Ireland semi final to Tipperary. Then we lost the All-Ireland Intermediate Final in 2018 to Tyrone. We lost in 2019 to Tipperary. So it was kind of like... It was an upward trajectory to a certain extent, but there definitely was a lot of losses along the way. And, you know, like, we just weren't a consistent team. Like, me and weren't consistent. Like, I think the year that we got to the All-Ireland Final, like, one of the years, I don't think we'd actually won three games in a row. So, you know, when you look back, like, do you really deserve to win an All-Ireland Final and get to go up to senior grade when you haven't won more than three games in a row? Personally, I don't think so. So, um, I think, you know, there's those moments. um, And that all of those kind of building blocks and the accumulation of all of those things and then coinciding with that you know we we'd, we went from Division 3 to 2 and now we're back up to 1 so it was kind of building at the same time through our Championship and our league campaign so even when we were intermediate I suppose we were getting to play Division in Division 2 against senior teams so I think that really aided us and then once we got back up um, to senior, you know, you you have that you have that league to again prep against senior teams, and I think winning that Division Two league against Kerry in Crow Park, you know, just for us was a kind of solidification almost of like getting another win in Crow Park and being able to do it on the big day.
0: And those those experiences you you referenced there of like the intermediate grade of ultimately some heartbreak and some setbacks and some failure, what kind of lessons were you able to draw on there that kind of guided you, A, to get out of intermediate like to, to be victorious intermediate championship, but then also B to carry that across? Like what lessons really stuck with you from those couple of seasons?
1: Yeah, I think um if I look at it from like even a team perspective and then a personal perspective, like from 2018 and 2019, like, I personally wouldn't have felt that um, I performed to the standard that I wanted to, um, not even just in those two finals. Um, I think, ty- like, the 2018 final, like, I just wasn't happy with my performance at all. 2019, I don't think I played horrendously bad, but again, I just don't think I performed to the standard that I expect of myself. So it was kind of a self-reflection of, like, you're putting all this time into into something like why not just go that extra mile and why not just do one hundred percent like not that I wasn't doing things one hundred percent or that I thought I wasn't, but just when I looked back, I kind of thought like there was small elements that I could improve on and like if I can do that myself and then if everyone else does them like we, we can get somewhere then from a team perspective I don't think we were adaptable um I think we had really good um we had really good tactics in place we'd really good ideas in place but I think we were too focused on those ideas and if they didn't work out on the day we we panicked and we didn't know how to adapt them quickly enough and I think adaptability across sport is something that has to happen you know like there's there's never a game that actually goes how you want it to go regardless of how well prepared you are how well you know your opposition or how well you know every single setup you know it's and it's adaptability across our own team of the position you're playing in but also adaptability of being able to you know, react quickly to let's say, you know, you're expecting your opposition to to go long and every single kick out, and all of a sudden the first five they've gone short, you know, you can't be waiting till the sixth, seventh, eighth kick out to to start to change those things. And in, in 2018 and 2019, I think we were, we were kind of and looking to the sideline more so, we were kind of saying, oh like what do we do now? Whereas now I think and because of those situations that haven't been in them we're we're not definitely not perfect at it, but we're kind of more confident in making those calls and switching things up quicker when they need to be.
0: And then that like that word adaptability that jumps out there, is that something you use? would have talked about, like in small groups as a collective in terms of trying to become that? I suppose like what I hear from you there as well is a lot of times, you know, like you go play a game and then there's a post performance review where maybe you watch some video clips or the manager breaks it down and that's part of the learning process. But also what you're talking about here is actually making decisions or adjusting in real time too. Have I picked that up correct?
1: Yeah absolutely um, I think yeah like we would have talked about being adaptable in 2018-2019 but we just didn't action it like there was no like there was that talk and there was an acknowledgement that it needed to be there but we weren't actually putting it into practice and I think as a group we're fairly honest with each other um, and I know even myself and Moira Shocknessy after the 2019 All-Ireland we would have we would have had a good few conversations, you know, about that being adaptable and kind of saying like, OK, well, as a full forward, do you know the role of a fullback? And as a half forward, do you know the role of a midfielder? And we kind of felt that like, you know, you, to get to that next level, regardless of if I'm playing full forward, I still do have to know what's required of even our goalkeeper or our fullback, like what they actually, it's like for me to, to perform and for them to perform, like they need to know what I'm doing to help them. So that like essentially that we can help each other and even for our own kickouts or the, you know, opposition kickouts, we need to know what, what every line is doing, or what every person has to do. And if if we're not certain of our roles, then I, then I don't think it works.
0: Uh, how do you, so those conversations start um, and that's where there's like a real reflective learning happen both individually and then rolling that out collectively how do you take that to from being like talking about it to doing it and putting it into action? How does that work practically?
1: Yeah, I think the initial conversations maybe aren't always the, the nicest of conversations. You know, sometimes, sometimes regardless, like, you're, you know, you're making a point and, and you're, you're um, as guilty of doing it as any, anybody else. You know, kind of, you like to think that maybe you're a bit away from the problem. But I think as a team, you kind of have to reflect that, like, if someone is doing something, then everyone else is doing it as well, whether it's to the same level or not. So, yeah, I think the initial step is like a bit of self-reflection and kind of deciding as a team and whether it's in, you know, individual groups. And then, to be honest, like our management are unbelievable. You know, if we, if we go to them and you kind of highlight a few points that we think might need working on, they'll go away themselves and they'll come back to us with, with their kind of opinions on it. And then as, as as a kind of a management and a team group, we we work together to see like, again, like you said, like a lot of things are ideas and a lot of things sound great when you say them out loud, but then when you actually go onto the pitch and try to put them into practice, they're not feasible. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of kind of back and forth and, and again, like, a, it's a process, I think. Like, we try, we've we tried things before and straight after the game said, nah, not a fear, like, that doesn't work for us. So that's not our game and that, like, we shouldn't do that. So I think it's 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 definitely a learning process and, and a lot of listening. Yeah, sometimes you don't hear what you want to, but um, yeah, a lot of listening.
0: And then, so like, obviously that the team is developing and standards are improving, performances are also improving, there's more consistency coming, which you talked about. And that ultimately leads you all the way up to all at the All Ireland final last year. I suppose. What's your what's your memories of that game now? Because it's what it's it's is it eight nine months ago at this point, um, where it's kind of somewhat in the rear view mirror. The rear view mirror. What's your what's your memories of that?
1: Um. Yeah. Memories of the the actual game itself. I suppose is just being. I suppose like so focused on the the goal and not even the like the trophy, but just like a performance. Um. I think all year, you know, we'd be kind of building. And personally, I think against Cork, um, I know we, we had that win in the last few minutes. But I think we played with a lot of fear that day. Um, I think as a team, we played with fear. We didn't play how we want to represent ourselves. So I think it was something that we were really conscious of in the All Ireland final of expressing ourselves and like sticking to to our game plan one hundred percent because like we respect that and we've 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 worked on it over the last few years with our management and as a team. But but also kind of like enjoying it, but like I don't know how to explain it fully, just even yeah, I think just the fear element that we played with against Cork in the first half, maybe, I think it just stuck stuck with me anyway, and I think it stuck with a lot of us just of like, we don't want it, we don't want it that's not the type of brand of football we want to play. Um so it was definitely a thing of playing with no fear in the all end final. Um and I think I think it kind of stood to us.
0: And then Speaking of the word fear, like you're going in then in the honor final to play against a team that's going for their fifth championship in a row, and it's probably it's easier. Well, actually, in some ways, does that does that take away some of the fear because you're coming in as such underdogs? Does that kind of in some ways lower the expectation outside the group that lets you that lets you and your team kind of come in focused on proving it to yourselves and to everybody else how good you are? Just talk to me a little bit about kind of the mindset around that.
1: Yeah, um yeah, I, like and the word underdog has been used and I use it all the time as well just even to describe it but like I don't think we ever felt like underdogs like I don't think as a team we were kind of saying like like we're so far off the mark or like we're we this isn't an, achie- an achievable goal for us. And I think when you have that within the team, like you can, it's it's sort of driving force. But then like you flip that, like, and as a sports person, like I would have preferred to have been in Dublin's position, like defending five titles in a row, like or defending, like trying to get to five. Like you constantly want to be proving how good you are in that position you're in. And if someone knocks you off that kind of that title, so, so be it. But as in like, that's where you want to be and that's what you want to achieve. So, yeah, I don't know. I think you can flip it on both sides. Like I don't think there's ever a lack of motivation. Um, of like, no matter what angle you're going from, I don't think there's ever kind of a lack of motivation. But yeah, I, I think within the camp, like I don't think there's a huge amount of fear, um, of the of the opposition. I suppose maybe there was other elements of fear of you know, and again, I don't know if fear is the right word, but just expectation of yourself and expectation of what you want to achieve and uh, and bring to the team. I think it was more that kind of side of things of. Of um, manage, managing managing your own expectations, but um, we have a, an unbelievable um, sports psychologist, Kelly Faye who works closely with us. And you know, she's she'll jump on a call, and we just with the team, we'll be on it for twenty minutes and just quick breakout rooms and just talk about things. And I think hearing things that you might think in your own head about a big game coming from your teammates and stuff like that, Something that you might so something so in, inconsequential that you might think you know, like, oh, there's no point saying this. And like, it might not even be eating you up inside, but something that you like subconsciously are aware of.
0: Like a doubt or like a...
1: I don't even know a doubt, but just even, you know, getting... Sometimes it takes, like, let's say, like, I, I'm not afraid. Like, I'll ask the same question 50 times. Like, I don't care. Like, because if I know someone else has, is wanting to ask it, but is a bit afraid to, like, I'll, I don't care. Like, I'll ask the same question literally 50 times. But I think when we jump on those calls, people, people just feel a bit more comfortable, I think. And... Um, and they're able to to you know ask something that they mightn't. I don't know like with what scenarios they wouldn't ask it, but it just means that we're sitting there and there's there's no kind of ambiguity of of what's going to happen on the day of you know like what what we want to do and as a team like what our goals are and everything like that. So just having those little like it's like I said it's twenty minutes, but it just kind of brings you back to the task at hand and. Like we talk about fear of playing, like fear before, let's say an All Ireland final, like as harsh as it sounds, like we lost two All Ireland finals. Life goes on, like as in the day after, like the other team are celebrating, you're not. Um, it's a tough two or three weeks after, and there is still days where I think back to those finals of things I could have done differently. Like I won't lie, but like at the end of the day, we were kind of aware, um, cynically that life does go on after after you lose an All Ireland final. Um, obviously I'd never, I'd prefer to always be on the winning side, but like that that is the kind of the reality of it as well.
0: As I'm listening to you there, it kind of strikes me, I know you you mentioned doing some work with the sports psychologists, and then there's both the kind of work player to player and with coaches. It sounds to me that, and again, correct me if, if I'm picking this up wrong, Vicky, but it sounds to me that you as a group got comfortable with being vulnerable with each other in terms of for learning um, and that it became less about kind of trying to shield deficiencies or hide maybe what something hadn't done well, but actually leaning into those to use them to drive you forward is, does that sound like a, am I picking up, up right what you've said there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there is there is a huge element of vulnerability within the squad and I and to be honest with you, I don't think I don't think you can win without that, and um, that side of things. I think, you know, when you have an even like a bond with the people on your team um, I think it shows on the pitch, you know, and like, you use the word, like we use the word trust a lot. And like it's easy again, like to throw that word adaptable around. It's easy to throw those, that word trust around in teams you're involved with, but like it actually shows on the pitch when you know one of the players might step off someone because that's what they're told to do. And you could have you could hear your dad in the crowd saying like Why are you stepping off?" and stuff like that. But it's just like completely trusting within the camp and with like trusting that what we are doing is like for for the greater go to the team and that like things will work out if we actually all stick to the plan
0: yeah so that's like so trust like adaptability to some vulnerability there ultimately these things and putting them into practice help guide you to where you just want to go and you get across the line and you are victorious in crow park and i suppose you said well actually what comes to me is in 2020, when you win the final, obviously that's during COVID time, so it must have been such a sheltered kind of celebration or kind of a withdrawn celebration. So then, what was what was it like to then win again at the higher grade? But then I'm guessing at that point you get to fully celebrate with each other and and the wider supporters. Did you?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. We, we definitely didn't <laughs> hold back on the celebrations. They were it was a serious week of crack, um, but. Uh, yeah, like I suppose it's it's very different uh, when I think about 2020 and 2021. So 2020 was like, you know, it was our third time trying to get over, get into senior and, you know, like we had a lot to, pr- like regardless of outside, like we were favourites going into that final. But again, like it was such expectation within our group of that consistency and wanting to achieve things. But like it was a strange day, just with the fact of like my younger sister got injured in the first half, had to go off to her cruciate. Um, so... That was strange in itself, and I kind of had to like initially. I didn't think her it was that bad. I thought she kind of rolled around or something like that. And then I I was obviously on the other side of the pitch, and I ran up to her, and I could just kind of see it in her, and like I just kind of had to quickly go back up to the side of the pitch before I kind of got too invested in it or thought about it too much because I like we'd be very close, and I just didn't want to kind of be thinking about it too much. So she was trying to hold in the tears when I was beside her, but then we we laugh about it like she was kind of saying, "Oh no, like I'll be able to play on, like standing up on one foot trying to hop like." And I was like, "Sarah, like get off the pitch, like." But then like on that other flip side, like mom and dad weren't there in 2020 when we won and they were at home watching it. So, you know, you've that element of it. Um, And then... um 2021 flip side like when like that whistle went like all i wanted to do was go find sarah go find my mom go find my dad and my older sister charlotte as well and you know it's just like it's those it's it's a completely like contrast of situations really and you know to be able to i think it was my dad i actually found first after after sarah and just like to have those memories with him and um yeah like it's, it's just unbelievable
0: yeah it sounds like it much be like it sounds like it must have been such an incredible experience and then in some ways like we all grow up dreaming of experiencing that but then for you to actually because you basically got to experience the extreme ends of the scale on both ways there um back to back so it must have been such a such an incredible experience and like to that end I saw like I think you had done an interview last month where you said that the last that your kind of life has changed a, a bit in the last eight months I suppose I was curious how so or kind of what did you mean by that
1: yeah, it absolutely has changed. Um, I suppose I've been given a lot more opportunities. Um, I absolutely have, like I suppose, like I've uh, work, uh, been given work opportunities and everything like that the last while, which I'm hugely grateful for. I suppose it has put me ladies and um, even myself, I suppose, maybe in a bit more of the the, the headlights and stuff like that. Um, it's, I suppose, yeah, just being being recognised a little bit more, which is definitely definitely strange, and um, something I'm absolutely not used to. But um, yeah, look, I suppose it has it has been hectic and been busy, and you know, um, kind of everyone wants a little bit of you, I suppose, and that's something that I I probably did struggle with at the start. To be honest, I was probably trying to to please everyone, and it's a case of you know, like I feel so strongly about what the what GAA has given me, so like I I, I genuinely do want to give back, but it's kind of a case of like actually having to to focus on like you know I I was doing a master's and I was like I deferred that and stuff like that so it was kind of just a case of trying to balance everything and I I definitely didn't have the balance for a while there but I think I'm slowly slowly but surely kind of getting that back on track.
0: Very good it's um no because obviously as you said there like there's there's the there's the winning aspect of it which for sure changes um if it's within the group and the team but then i feel like and what's important to acknowledge here is that the team has somewhat captured the the hearts and admiration of definitely Mead people and probably wider if what what and not probably and wider afield what's that been like for you is that something you're proud of that you've kind of put Mead ladies football in particular on the map um and been able to be role models and conduct yourselves like that
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's it's a just reward for for the amount of work that the girls put in and I suppose it's something that I'm really conscious of and I suppose having seen Sarah, you know, being injured last year and like, you you, you know, I do believe, fully believe that everyone's part of the panel, but it's, you know, like having had conversations with her, it's it's tough to feel fully involved when, you know, you don't actually get to to talk out and stuff like that. So I, I suppose I'm very conscious of the fact that like all last year, like we had 38 girls training on the panel and regardless of um, who got to actually put on a jersey on the All-Ireland Day, like there was 89 girls in the stands that didn't even get to tog out, that didn't even get to play the game, that didn't get, or not even to play the game, but didn't get the chance to, to warm up and Crow Park or, or have those feelings so I suppose it's something I'm conscious of that like they, ver- they earned the medal the exact same amount that let's say the likes of me or Emma Duggan I suppose that have gotten more recognition since the all Ireland final but like they played the exact same role that I did like doing like, that kind of way is in it's it's a kind of a, a catch twenty two of the sense of like it it is brilliant that we're being put on the map and everything like that. But I suppose just I sp- having Sarah so close to me and seeing those side of things like it's um, yeah definitely kind of I think makes me reflect on it a bit more and like definitely makes me more appreciative of of everything that's kind of happened in the last while. Um, I think just even obviously the success of the All-Ireland was huge for me ladies um and I obviously personally had a very successful last year as well but like on the flip side of that like I was conscious of that for Sarah like as in I like and if I reflect on it if I was in her position and I was injured and my sister got player of the year like I wouldn't have handled it I can honestly say I wouldn't have been able to handle it um as well as she had like and we're very open with each other about it and like she's like she's unbelievably supportive and she is I know she is so proud of me but I know for a fact and just the type of person I am that like it's just a reflection of the type of person that Sarah is that how she's handled everything because she's back playing now and she's back fully training with the squad and fighting to get a position so it's just kind of testament to her as a person but I suppose there's many other girls on our squad that would be in a similar position to that Um, and having trained with them and having been marked by them all year I know exactly the amount of work that they do put in so it's um It's testament to them as well, I suppose, that me ladies are are on the map.
0: Yeah, and like, obviously, with your sister, that's an experience like that's right under your nose and probably like at the breakfast table some days. And it obviously helps you put perspective on what, I suppose, what you're experiencing. And I suppose the other thing that usually can put perspective on stuff is past experiences. I know, like, as I was over the last couple of weeks or the last couple of days, as I was reading about and preparing to talk to you, like one of the things that come up was a story from 2015 when mead were literally making calls the day before a game to try and get it, it get players to come and play against cork the following day like i suppose that must be in terms of perspective because that's not something that's like 20 years ago that's like six years seven years ago now so does that help kind of put perspective on where you're at now
1: yeah 100 percent um I suppose 2015, I probably was, I was very new, I was only into the team 2014, 2015, I was only 16, going on 17, so I was fairly young, Um, but I was purely naive those first year or two, like I don't think we had a win, and um, we got, you know, back to Division 3, and then we opted to go back to Intermediate, but like I was still going into that court game being like, oh yeah, like we've a decent chance or whatever, and like haven't had a clue, like do you know that kind of way, but I just like, Loved me football. I just, any like when I got offered that senior jersey, like, like there was no way in fear I would say no to it. Like, I was trying to still play for the minors and still play for the seniors, but it was just such an honor. So, I couldn't kind of see that side of things and I couldn't understand from the other girls' perspective, let's say the girls that were in their 20s, why they weren't committing. But, like, if I look at it now, like, I absolutely can. You know, there was there was no proper foundations in place, there was nothing, there was no systems, there was no there was no proper anything. Like so there was nothing kind of like as much as p- people love playing for their county and everything like that, like you do have to see see the bigger picture and like a lot of people want to go travelling, a lot of people want to, to do other things. So I can understand where people were coming from. And there was a lot of retirements that those few years. So it was definitely a transitional period, but now with perspective, like you look back and there's still a few of us that played that game against Cork that are involved now. But there's also a really, really good mix of younger girls and girls that just weren't involved previously that have come in that like underage wouldn't have been used to losing and, you know, just have this different mentality. So when you mix those type of things and I think a bit of naivete is great in a team. Like I think it's 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 what you want. Like you kind of you want that balance of people that are aware of you know, how quickly things can change, but also girls that are coming in thinking this is going to how it's going to be forever. Like, I don't think that's actually a bad mix. I think that's actually a good mix because I think it levels it out and, you know, you can feed off each other. And um, like, I definitely see it with, I say older girls, I think they'll give out to me for that one. But, you know, people on our team that are more experienced that when the younger girls come up with there's something, it's something as simple as, you know, talking about, things you usually do the day before game or things that we've done before that we'd actually avoid now and stuff like that just having those conversations like I think it's such a good place and I don't think there's many environments that you know 16 17 year old girls get to learn from people in their 30s um you know and actually play with them and you know experience a lot of life lessons with them so I think I think it's great yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just such a remarkable... I, I feel like it's always important to acknowledge, you know, when teams have success or individuals have success, people can just kind of spend 45 minutes, an hour talking about the good days and it's like everything was great and this is how we did it. But a lot of the time, those that resilience and that grit and then, as we talked about earlier, the adaptability, like it's forged from setbacks and from failure. And I just feel like when... Like that that court game was probably an all-time low for me. Football, I think it was a loss of like 40 points or something. Um... Like it must it must fill you with pride to have been one of the figures that has helped kind of turn that around. And I'm listening, i know no it's not just yourself and there's a wider group there, but to be part of a process like that where you come through and then do get the reward that you've been working so hard for. Is that are you proud of that?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think, you know. Everyone has their own kind of little thing. And the girls that have been involved for the last few years, like, you know, there, there is people on the team now that, that were involved over some really tough times in me. Then, you know, I just even think back personally, like there's, I was too young to be driving when I first joined the team. So dad would have had to drive me to all the games. And I just remember like after a load of the games, just crying on the way home to him in the car, you know, and he kind of turned to me at one point and it was like, like, nobody's forcing you to be here. Like nobody, um, like this is your choice whatever. And then I like, suppose that kind of made me think about it a bit more like a, regardless of how much I was giving out of it or crying about it like there was no chance I was going to quit like you know it wasn't as bad as it got like it still was something that I just like I got more out of it you know that kind of way like as in it just it gave me so much regardless of how we were doing and so like and just friendships and everything you form from it so I think that side of things like when someone kind of turns it on you and says like nobody's forcing you to be here it's your choice it kind of makes you think about it a bit differently
0: and I suppose like well, nobody is forcing you to do it and it is your choice. There also is a basic standard of preparation and support. And, I mean, it sounds like going back those years, certain things weren't in place that teams deserve and are entitled to. How different is that set up now in terms of access to supports? Um, I know mean, we've already talked about a sports psychologist earlier. I'm sure there's strengthening, and conditioning coaches and actually having systems in place to allow AU to be the best person that you can be and best player you can be, but also to give a team an opportunity to excel and just like to strive for excellence
1: yeah i think those supports are equally as important as the actual physical training that you do on the pitch every week and um, i know from my perspective and from from our team's perspective i think we have a really good management team in place that you know, there's I I I would like to think anyway that there's someone that everybody could could reach out to if needs be. You know, we have our backs coach, we have our forwards coach, we have our main coach, we have a manager. You have Michelle, who's our female liaison officer. But like they all have those t- titles and like Eugene, our S and C, as you said, and nutritionist, and all. Like the list goes on, but they all have these titles. But like they also completely interlink and they don't stick to you know that one that one role at all. Um, like. You could go to each of them, each of them about something different, and even just if it's on a personal level, if it's something that's happened outside of football, you know, you absolutely could reach out to them. So I suppose knowing that they are very knowledgeable in their own fields of like whether it's tactics or whether it's you know the stats or whatever you need, or if it's extra nutrition advice, but then also knowing that like pure humans at the end of the day that care more about you as a whole than they do about let's say how you're going to play at the, on the weekend, like, is in that that's something that I suppose. And I don't think I don't think it's involved in every team, you know. The kind of I don't think I I think we are really lucky, and I think it, it's an environment that that I'm proud proud to have been part of, and am proud to be part of. That you know we we do have that kind of cohesion, and yeah, like I said, like vulnerability and ability to to speak to a lot of people.
0: No, it sounds like that's such a like it's such a positive and like affirming environment for 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 you guys, and like obviously it's. In one way,s it must seem like a world apart. I know when you enter a senior setup, you're just so young and naive that you're just like, ah, I'm here and this is great. I'm actually getting to play. But it must seem and it must be, it must genuinely be worlds apart in some ways, is it?
1: From when, when I went into now, like polar opposite, like there is no comparison. Like there just was no culture when we when I first came in. There was, again, like I think about it, there was so much talking, like there was actually just an obnoxious amount of talking of we've having these critical meetings every week about what was going to change, who was going to change, and then people go off on holidays for two weeks and coming back and still getting started because you don't have someone to replace them because you don't have that numbers, you know those numbers like of people there consistently. But like it could like I think the culture that we've created now like is only a culture because everyone buys in. Like if there was five or six people that didn't buy in. You know, it completely would rock the boat and would change things, and you'd have people given out and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think I think it, there's a culture in in place that that I would hope will will last and stay because I think we've seen with, without culture and standards how how badly things can kind of go and how quickly quickly things can fall apart. To be honest.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for that. I mean, it's such a, because I know like a lot of other players, intercounty players have been listening to this and listen, there's only one team can win a championship in any given year and lots of teams, lots of counties are at different stages in terms of culture and in terms of results and performance. So it's always just nice to get a kind of that insight to a team who has advanced through different stages, both of, of team building and also of grades. Um, That's kind of like, that's kind of me That like the collective level. I suppose one of the things I did want to talk to you about in regards to your playing days was You'd spoken previously publicly about comments that had been made to you directly while you were playing with regards to your weight or if it was your body shape. And I just kind of want to, to like, I suppose I was curious, like is that coming from on the field, off the field, sidelines, just kind of what was your experience of that and like and how did that make you feel?
1: Yeah, um I think it was like the first time I kind of looked back and reflect on it was just because I wasn't playing how I wanted to play. Like it, it wasn't. A case of you know hearing these comments and thinking jesus like i need to change this i need to change that it was more of a personal reflection of like i knew like the, the potential that i had but as in i just wasn't able to to fulfill it because first of all i wasn't fit enough my endurance wasn't there like i've always been fast i've always been strong but it's never like i wasn't able to actually do the things that i wanted to do on the pitch like i wasn't able to contribute to the game as much as i wanted to and um, so that was kind of the first stage of it and, yeah like there was it was more so at a club level, and um, I suppose <laughs> i am absolutely not claiming to be the first person that's been given verbal abuse um in sport. I don't think i don't, I, I think you know most people do, but I think it was a case of during it when when like it was more at a club level um you know regardless of what I was doing like in my own head at the time and, and i like I was able to flip in saying like i'm I obviously I'm still doing something right if they're giving out you that kind of way like as in am I kind of if I'd hear something, you know, next thing I do, try to get a point, try to get a goal and stuff like that. But it was more so a case of when, you know, when times when it would affect my teammates or mom or dad or people that'd be kind of watching the game, you know, when they're hearing it, I suppose that was kind of what I would have, what would have affected me more. Um, Like I would describe myself as a, as a fairly confident person um, and like that was able to f- flip the narrative, I suppose, to, you know, like you're, I am doing something right, but like after a game when your mum and dad, you know, are kind of annoyed about it, you know, when they're hearing this kind of narrative the whole time. Um, I think it kind of does does get it you and it just kind of nags you and stuff like that. And, you know, like I think there's, there's different roles and different things like that in sport. And I think something that I've noticed um, from when I was younger to now and a shift that I think is a positive shift, like when I was younger, like I was always like a lot taller in my age group probably bigger as well and it was kind of you know the the phrases that we tend to associate with male sports people of strong and you know like getting involved in a tackle or whatever it was like there was a narrative that like that was negative to be used towards female sports stars you know it was more a case of you know their looks or how how they were kind of doing like just more yeah I suppose physical attributes rather than like you know their actual performance whereas now I think there's a shift of like we are praising uh, female sports for being physically strong and you know like I think of our team and the amount of effort the girls are putting in and the the um the c side of things like it's as equal to the stuff we're putting on the pitch like why why can't we be praised for that side of things Um, yeah so I think that that narrative definitely is changing Um, yeah I think but like I think overall like there definitely was times like even like during lockdown when we were doing our individual training and you know like I was just so motivated on a personal level and but then like I absolutely won't like I'm not embarrassed to say that there was times you know during that last set of runs when like some of the comments that were said like I absolutely did say them over my head and just use them as extra motivation but it wasn't an extra motivation you know to to get back to those people it was just to push myself further and to to enable me and to help me to achieve what I knew I could achieve and like how 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 I could get to I suppose reaching my potential. Like I still think I can push myself further. I want to push myself further, um, but I think a case of it, yeah. Like what if going back to the original question of you know th- that abuse like as in it's it's not enjoyable. Um, and I suppose when you you can brush it off for for as as long as you want. And I think it was a case of until yeah maybe I had lost weight and I had kind of gotten myself into shape that I was I was more able to do the things I wanted to do on the pitch that I was comfortable talking about it to be honest like I probably wasn't comfortable talking about it dur- during the time when I kind of wasn't fully comfortable um so I suppose it's kind of that narrative as well of it, it is easier to talk about it when you're probably on the other side and and um yeah I suppose it was just just a case of yeah like mixed of wanting to achieve more myself personally and acknowledging that but also um yeah it probably wasn't wasn't the most enjoyable of experiences of you know your friends and family and stuff kind of kind of hearing those things being said
0: yeah, like, first of all, like, thank you for, for the honesty within your answer there. Um, Like, I'm actually, um, my brain's kind of, I'm thinking of a couple of different things here. So, one thing that comes to me is, like, so you said about that day you're doing the runs and you're kind of, like, a comment or something's bounced on your brain You're able to use it As extra motivation I suppose One of the things I think about Straight away is Like there's plenty of people Who maybe don't Or won't have like The resilience Or the grit To kind of carry through that And then step away from sport Or um, Drives them away From something That they engage in Or that is healthy Like I'm just like I'm actually like I'm, Honestly I'm just Part of me is just like Annoyed hearing it And you know As I read it Like you'd said Like the comments was That your mom had heard someone say that you were too fat to play football in a stand. And I, I believe a manager had to call you post the game after to apologize for something that was said. And I suppose the big thing that struck me was when you in that interview that you'd done previously, you said that like a, a lot of young girls reached out to you after you had spoken up about that and that experience. What What was that like? What did they say to you? And what was that like for you then to hear kind of, I'm sure it was other people's experiences or um just begin the conversation with you in that regard.
1: In context to young girls and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it was a weird one because at the time when I was saying it to you, like I didn't say it with this kind of ulterior motive of of that kind of being the outcome. Like I was, I was kind of saying it as like, uh, I don't know, like as in like that you're like I was able to achieve and I was able to push myself. Do you know that kind of way? Um. So when people kind of did start to reach out, I was absolutely overwhelmed. I like I kind of didn't expect it at all, and I I also kind of don't think I have the perfect answer either. So I was kind of hesitant of 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 what to reply to people either because I don't think like I don't think there's a perfect answer. Um, you know, like I would have worked closely with with a nutritionist. Um, because I think that even in the female side of things as well, I think there there can be that possibility of under for sports as well. And I think that's something that when I was younger, I would have would have um definitely been victim to of like not feeling my body enough for for the training and the sport that I was doing so I suppose it was just for me of getting getting a knowledge of um of how to properly perform but also like w- through nutrition so like knowing myself and finding those things so like I didn't want to be given um advice to any young girls on what to be eating or what not to be eating because I don't think that's my area of expertise but I was able to just I suppose um reflect on it and like let them know that you know reg- regardless like you it doesn't stop you play- I shouldn't stop you playing sport like it's something you enjoy like I still enjoyed like most of the games I played and um like I was lucky in the sense that a lot of my teammates, let's say if they if they heard kind of the comments stuff like that, they'd be able to say to me, you know, like, oh, like that such and such, like, you yeah, all right or whatever and I genuinely was able to have open conversation with them and say, like, I am okay, like I am fine, or whatever. But I think it's important, yeah, to to talk to someone about it. Um, whether that's someone on your team, whether it's your parents or, you know, even reach out to someone else. Like I think it's always good just to even if you are okay about so, um that type of a situation, just to actually acknowledge it, say it out loud so that people are aware. So that would kind of was kind of my advice, I suppose, to 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 the younger girls that did reach out.
0: Did comments like that? Did they ever challenge your sense of self confidence or perception of yourself? Did they ever read really, in, or were you able to like blank them out?
1: Um, as a whole, I'd say as I was blanked out. But I'd be absolutely lying if there was cert, like if there wasn't certain times when when you'd kind of just sit there and be like, oh Jesus, like as in like they, they might be right or all that kind of stuff. But I think then, like, the correlation of that was, like, if I had a terrible game, let's say, like, if I didn't think I played well and then you have co- comments, like, coinciding with that, you're kind of, you let them get under your skin a bit more then. But I think that, like, it was something I tried to tried to acknowledge to myself that, like, if I'd, played, if I'd played unbelievable in that game and scored, whatever, 2-5 or something like that, would I still be feeling this way? So it was kind of trying to, definitely took time of trying to, like, acknowledge those things within myself of you know like is that a reflection of, of like are you actually taking those things on board or are you just annoyed at yourself because you didn't play well or you, you didn't do what you wanted to do so it was kind of a mix of both but like look of course like there was was certain times when you know like you'd hear a man the like a six-year-old man on the sideline calling you some horrendous things and you just kind of be thinking like what what is the point like you know that kind of way of like like and I suppose you, may, you you mentioned that manager calling me and I suppose I had a conversation the next day and at that stage, I was kind of just sick of it. And I kind of was like, why why did you say it as such? And he was like, oh, well, you were mar- marking my niece. And to me, that was just the most bizarre thing ever of like, I was like well like would you say that to her like would you like and he was like, Jesus no never like and that kind of stuff so it was just just a few bizarre scenarios um look I understand I understand sport I understand the heat of the moment I understand people say things they don't mean I'm absolutely not saying saying that at all but um I suppose when it's kind of a, a thing you're hearing on a regular basis um during games it, it look it, like I could lie and say it didn't get on my skin but absolutely did at some stages yeah absolutely
0: I feel like one of the most important things to remember here is that like, when well, we all go to games and listen, you've alluded to it there, like emotions can get higher, there can be passion and there can be frustrations and joy. But I think one of the things to always remember at the at the core of it is that, you know, that players and athletes are, are people too. And, you know, you hear people of, I think Conker Patrick was on an earlier episode of this podcast from, and had come gone public about his gambling addiction and that was raised at some point during the game. And I think it's just kind of remembering that athletes are people too and then trying to remember those values of, of respect is, is something that whether you're on the pitch or on the sideline we kind of need to remember is that something you would agree with?
1: Yeah I think um, like everyone goes through different things like and I suppose when you're on a team with 38 girls even using me as a comparative but even Dunboyne as a comparative like there's there's 38 people on a team and within that one week alone I guarantee you there's 10 of them going through something that you're not fully aware of at that moment in time um, I think personally and I think as a lot of people do uh, like sport is an outlet Um, it's a time where you like to go and you think you can switch off from things and I think when sport gets or like going to training and stuff like that gets to a time where it's not fulfilling that outlet or it's not kind of being that escape, uh, escape as such I think it's a good time to reflect yourself, reflect on yourself and maybe acknowledge that there's other things more pressing and um other things need to need to take priority. Um I think sometimes it's easy to let's say say, Oh look, I have a big game coming in a few weeks, pan everything off and put everything to the side and get to that game. But then let's say you get to that game and you lose and it's a come down from that loss and then it's Wednesday of the next week and you're still haven't done any of those things you said you were going to do three weeks ago. Um I think it's definitely something that I, I don't think I'm perfect at either. I think you know it's it's easy to get caught up caught up in being on a county panel and putting that first and putting that thing putting it ahead of a lot of things. But, um, almost getting that balance of priorities and at different stages, like different things do have to take priority.
0: Because I know the like the the GPA Bio three hundred and sixty program is there's four key pillars, and we've been doing this whole podcast series in tandem with that, and those pillars of life skills, well being. Dual career and transitions, and like just as you were talking there, you're just talking about the dual career aspect of it and trying to juggle it and manage it, and then remembering that the kind of following on from the previous point I made, but in a different way. But that yeah, you're an athlete, but you're also a person too. Is that something you've had to get better at balancing and figuring out that the Vicky all the person, Vicky all the player?
1: One hundred percent. Like I do think as a person, I'm probably. F- fairly different on and off the pitch um you know I, I i don't think i have much fear on the pitch i don't think I'm, i think i'm fairly confident and i do think in my normal life i'm fairly confident but there's definitely areas where where i could improve on things um just going back to you know the gpa like i i would have um i started a masters last last september um in DCU, and to be honest with you, and I look back at it now, I, I shouldn't have. I wasn't in the right mind frame to be to be you know committing to, to that much of a of a commitment of doing a masters. Um, I I, I probably did it a bit circumstantially, and um, when I reflect on it now, but it, it challenged um a lot of the things that I would have associated myself with being um like. I say as a person, let's say like when when I'm doing something I do it hundred percent, um I'm fully committed and I and I am and I and I do still like to think that, but at the time it challenged that because I I didn't care enough about it. Um I didn't I wasn't given giving it the time it needed. Um it kind of it was starting it after the like after the All Ireland and I was so busy and I was putting like I was making excuses and it was it's something that I wasn't wasn't it was a feeling I wasn't used to feeling, if I put it that way of like not, um, not not having that kind of intrinsic motivation to do something like it's motivation isn't something that I'd say I, I have struggled with. Um, you know, I, I was even during my undergrad or doing um, like my leaving cert, something like that. It was I was fairly capable of balancing football and my kind of external activities that were going on in my life. But for the first time, I think last year, probably from September to December, like it definitely questioned like the things that I thought about myself. Um, and it was kind of even admitting to myself that I didn't want to be in the Masters and that I didn't want to, like, the the thought of giving up or dropping out of something, like, it questioned, like, everything that I kind of would pride myself in, I suppose. Um, so it definitely wasn't an easy decision. And I think even when I acknowledged it to myself and then kind of went to mum and dad and first time I said to them, I think, you know they were kind of like, oh look, just stick at it and see how you get on this first semester and everything like that and it's something I did do and I fin- finished this first semester out but it was just a case of like even saying it out loud and acknowledging it and I think it even like had to express them a few times how much I kind of, it wasn't for me at the time because it's it's something that like as my character and as a person, like I, like giving up, like as in it actually just like the, I just don't like even saying the word, like in that kind of way. But like it was the right decision. It's it's one of the best decisions I've made in the last while of you know just kind of focusing on myself and stuff like that. And I've just been working the last while, so it, it has worked out. But I suppose it was something that definitely made me kind of question myself as such. But all throughout that process, the GPA were were kind of second on the list of who I was reaching out to after my mom and dad of you know next stages and next steps and how to how to approach things and how to even you know after making that decision of not doing the masters like to how to just make like you've made that decision to kind of move on from it as such so yeah i know that the gpa i suppose and even thinking of my first year in college and from from in all aspects i suppose since i've started college have been someone has been an organization or a person to reach out out to that i have done on a consistent basis
0: and then practically vicky the kind of that time window you're talking about last year where you're questioning yourself and kind of looking, it's asking of questions of your own values and who you are. I suppose how ultimately, because I know there'll be like lots of players who'd be listening to this will have found themselves in situations either being in a college course they're not enjoying or maybe in a job that's not fulfilling them or that they want to transition out of. So I know you mentioned talking to your parents and then reaching out to the GPA, but practically then how are you meant to, or how are you able to, I should say, move forward from there and what kind of helps you advance from that place
1: in terms of like reaching reaching out to the gpa or do you just mean in general like of myself of how i made that decision both um yeah i think how i made the decision anyway was a case of you know i probably like within the first few weeks was kind of saying to myself like this is it kind of felt weird not you know being on top of everything and um not you know like I think there's a few occasions where I actually didn't even know I had stuff due the next day which to me was just so foreign because usually I would have have everything done I'd be so on top of everything so when those type of behaviors kind of started to creep in I kind of was think like started thinking to myself like oh this is a bit strange like this is not not like you like it's not like like during lockdown let's say when we had our individual training like I didn't miss one one session like I just was so like so on the ball so intrinsically motivated to do it so I just I didn't need like didn't need external motivation, you know, kind of way whereas with this I just it was such a strange feeling of like just not really caring about it but then also like having that conflicting like you need to care about it and it's part of you like if you're doing something you're doing it 100% so when I kind of like I probably let it go on a bit too long to be honest before I even kind of said it to mom or dad or even acknowledge it to myself I kind of just kept kept trucking along and kept kind of doing it at a a minimum standard was was how I'd kind of describe it practically then once I'd kind of Said it out loud to mom and dad that I didn't want to be in the course anymore. Um, yeah, I, I would have reached out to um Ian in the player development within GPA and I kind of just before I'd kind of made that decision of completely leaving the course, or whatever it was, kind of a case of okay, well, what's next? Like, what do you actually want to do? Like, is there things that you do like from that course? Is there things you don't like to that course? And um, yeah, I suppose Ian was able to just ask me questions that. I think maybe sometimes people closest to you don't ask. um, Just questions that, like, I wouldn't think of asking myself of. Like (laughs) what? simple, Simple questions, I suppose, of, like what like just next small next steps like in that kind of way of like I think it's easy to say oh god like I'm just after leaving the course what do I do next and then procrastinate for however long but as he was able to give me a a timeline let's say of being like okay look you're going to be looking for jobs how like realistically let's say within do you want to give yourself a six-week period to to line up a few interviews or to to you know see to research or do do, you know do those kind of things because I did acknowledge that I wanted just a bit of bit of time just to to kind of chill out to be honest and even just understand what I actually wanted to do so like I gave myself those few weeks and then from there let to go right like from, from now let's say um let's within the next six weeks let's put something in, in place and kind of a touchback base and it, just a small kind of timeline and stuff like that just just practically that made it more of an achievable goal rather than saying okay I'll, in a month's time I'll start looking for jobs and then it's two three months down the line and I'm kind of still at that exact same stage so it was just kind of practically putting things in place that you know it wasn't like he was giving me deadlines of you have to have a job in six weeks. It was just, you know, like small little timelines that were, were achievable.
0: No, it's like that's, and because that was the reason why I asked the question because sometimes we'll, you know, when we hear these conversations, we kind of say, oh, I reached out to that person and that kind of helped it. So I was just kind of curious on what I hear there is just kind of someone helping you kind of break it down into smaller manageable chunks and then kind of picking just either the next battle or they're clearing the hurdle that's directly in front of you rather than maybe having to be completely worried about where's the if it's the end goal or kind of what's where am I in six months time and I suppose
1: yeah I was probably skipping to like going from that college course to I don't know what I want to do in my career ever I'm so confused whereas like that was just being you know you're just making one decision and kind of thinking of career for the rest of your life whereas it's just not like not what I needed to be doing but it's I suppose it's an automatic automatic reaction as such.
0: Yeah. And, those, so like, and then that conversation, it sounds like, is able to kind of somewhat recenter and kind of ground you again, just in terms of the now and kind of where you're at at that time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: I suppose where you're at now, news obviously just broke recently that you're heading to Australia and we were just spent a good while talking about dual career. But now there's obviously just an opportunity to have a singular career playing sports. Uh, is that something you're excited about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I'm really really looking forward to it, I suppose. You know, when you're younger, the thought of playing professional or semi-professional sport um like is something that I that I was always so intrigued by and you know to be able to fully commit to to a sport is an opportunity that I'm really looking forward to. Again, it's it's kind of exciting even thinking of being, you know, a complete newbie at a sport and complete like starting from scratch almost and just having to like challenge myself more I suppose in that kind of thing not that I'm saying I'm fully knowledgeable in, in GA at all I don't think that's you're the case You're pretty though. good at it now Still have plenty to learn and improve on but uh, it's a case of you know um, yeah like I'm looking forward to, to a new environment and I suppose and to, to pushing myself outside my comfort zone is something that I actually am looking forward to
0: uh, So I should have said you're joining North Melbourne right?
1: Yeah yeah North Melbourne Kangaroos yeah
0: like get moving from from the Dunboyne area or in and around dublin to north melbourne how are you how are you feeling about that transition
1: yeah it'd be a a bit of a change all right anyway i'm sure (laughs) um i'm sure there'll still be as many coffee places uh so i'm told but uh yeah no look i i am looking forward to it i suppose it's um i'm kind of in the in the process of of organize all the the small details at the moment but um yeah, it's I. I don't fully know how the transition is going to go, but uh, I know there's a lot of a lot of Irish out there already, and even people I would have been in college with and stuff like that as well playing, and a, f- a few of the lads from me they're over there that have reached out to me and stuff. So I'm I'm sure I won't be won't be short of someone to to reach out to to go for a coffee.
0: You must is it is it unusual and kind of where you know this is happening, but like it's it's kicked down the timeline, and whereas of right now. Um, you've got to kind of still be in the present and you're you're seeing out the mead season to the to the end, right?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm here for, for as long as, as long as mead keep going. Um I don't know if it is that weird. I think because AFL has been a conversation for me for the last while, like it's not a conversation that has kind of just come out of the blue, you know, that kind of way. It's something that I have thought about for a while that I was kind of able to to separate them both and um I think it maybe made me appreciate mead football more. and um, just kind of know what way? That- um, just knowing that like, it, it doesn't not that it doesn't last forever, but the sense of that like like I am going at the end of the season, and I kind of like I haven't I have made full decisions of what I'm doing in relation to to meet football next year. But it's just kind of made me be a bit more present and a bit more, kind of, a bit more grateful. I think for for all of the games we get to play and the the opportunities, and even just you know the the team that that's there at the moment. Um. Like just the the people that we have in the team, like there's a mix of unbelievable people, and even something as simple as going for for a coffee after a train on a Sunday. Like I'm just just really grateful for the the kind of the experiences that I'm having currently with me. So I think it's kind of easy to to focus on it when I'm when I'm joining it so much.
0: Yeah, because I, I, I know it's something that's been on the radar for you for a while. You had be, you had been out for a couple of days before on trial or kind of at one of the like a tryout, basically, right?
1: Very uh, brief four day four day stint over in Melbourne. I had to fly home for a county final, so it was a. Uh, I don't think I'd even acclimatized to the uh, the jet lag, but uh, yeah, it was. You must have barely even got a tan.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no, absolutely didn't. I was inside all the stadiums for the four days, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was good, um, and and I am I'm really looking forward to to getting over, getting over as well.
0: And then I kind of as as I just looked to to wrap us up here, Vicky. Like you kind of touched upon it a couple of minutes ago, but. I suppose growing up to be able to have already had the experiences of, with me that you've had, and now to be able to take them and to apply yourself and as a professional athlete, I mean, is that something? Was that the dream going up? Did you think that was it would ever be possible?
1: Yeah, I think as I've kind of like I'd say, grown up, I'm twenty four. I'm not I'm not the oldest on the team just yet, but uh like, winning is like unbelievable and I and I stand by that and I I'd prefer to win all day. But like the memories and the things that I have from Meath and Dunboyne over the last few years and even seeing, you know, the like the joy on our parents' faces and the joy that it brings to young girls and boys. And I know um recently unfortunately there was um a young boy Zach Moran from the Navan club in um Meath that passed away and he was he's very young and we had his younger sister and her best friend in with us the Leinster final the day in Crow Park you know they sat in the dressing with us and they they came around and they came around the pitch the pitch inspection and stuff like that and she had her little camera out with her Polaroid camera and like even at the end of the game when we were all devastated about the loss like I looked up and you could see her there with like the biggest smile on her face and she was just really really enjoying that experience so I think for me like sport as a whole like as in I've gotten so much more from sport than I have given to sport and like I don't think we realise when we're within it until I like, I think it's easy to kind of disassociate sometimes of the joy that it can bring to some people. So I think that's kind of something that I'm conscious of now, of like, as an athlete, you can sometimes be quite selfish and kind of tunnel vision and just think that it's be-all and end-all. And like, sometimes it is be-all and end-all for me and it is something that I really prioritise and focus on. But like, it's nice to kind of think of it as a bigger picture and like, yeah, we didn't get the results on the Lancet final, that we wanted but like to see her face and her little friend's face like as in it was just unbelievable and it was like just leaving it kind of put, put everything into perspective um of what you know her family have been through the last while and something as simple as a football game and being in a dressing room with with us was able to bring her such joy kind of just just made me kind of re- refocus a little bit but yeah look I suppose playing professional sport and being able to to kind of bring that enjoyment to people's lives I think it is something that I've that I've probably have always wanted to do.
0: No, I think that's the that's the perfect note to end it on in terms of an appreciation for both like yourself as a person and as an athlete and the mixture between sport and life. So from from my perspective, just want to wish you the very best luck both in the season that's ahead of you and on when you move to to, to Melbourne. And then just to say thank you for your honesty and insight today, Vic. You know, we covered lots of different areas that will people relate to in different different ways. But I'm really, really glad to that we were able to get you on the players' voice and, and thank you for for agreeing to do it and being here today.
1: No worries all. Thanks being for having me.
0: The Player's Voice podcast is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. To listen to previous episodes with the likes of Tom Parsons, Chloe and Shane Maury, Lisa O'Rourke, and Neil McManus, make sure to subscribe by searching The Player's Voice on whichever podcast platform you prefer. And while there... You would really be helping us out if you rated or reviewed the show. Don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's bio 360 program by visiting bio 360gaelicplayerscom My name is Alan O'Mara, and to find out more about my work as a performance and well-being consultant, please go to www.realtalks.ie or find me on Twitter and Instagram at AOMTheCat. Thanks for listening.